Emphasize says, all hail the furry. I don't know what that means, Emphasize. Thank you. All right, guys, that is going to be the end of our socialism tour, but we've got a lot more to uh, to talk about. And I want to talk about the gender-affirming new emergency rule bill in Missouri. Who here has heard about the new rule that's in Missouri that is doing uh, that is restricting access to gender transition surgery and care? I actually was really excited about this. If you don't want to fund my work, you don't get an opinion, bro. That's just the way it goes. Bree in S7 of the 100, they brainwashed people so that they'd be willing to shoot your sibling, child, parent, BFF, so etc. in the head of the service of the ideology, or as they say, for all mankind. I in, in season seven of the 100, I, I agree with that, Bree. That's a really good point. Thank you for that. So, guys, the state of Missouri enacted an emergency rule last week that puts a lot of restrictions on transgender. Uh, medical care in the state, not only for children, but for adults. Now, I have to say, when I first heard about this rule, I was, well, a little concerned because, again, I don't care if adults are trans. I don't care about any of that at all. And so and so I don't like rules restricting what adults can do with their bodies. I think that's intrusive. I think it, it goes beyond. However, And Taylor is making the same point as me. However, I went through and actually read the emergency rule. And I actually agree with it. And I'm going to explain why I agree I agree with it. But first, I want to read this article from Vice. Because I want to show you how the media lies and distorts this. So that you can learn to identify it on your own. So Vice wrote this article. And it's Vice. So, I mean, you know. Gender-affirming care for adults is now basically banned in Missouri. No, it's not. It's not banned in Missouri in any way. The state's attorney general, Andrew, announced an emergency regulation that erects enormous barriers to care for trans people of all ages. No, it doesn't. Missouri is the first state to severely restrict gender-affirming care for transgender adults amid a nationwide GOP push to legislate away trans rights. The state's Attorney General Andrew announced the emergency regulation on Thursday that aims to limit access to gender-affirming care for Missourians by setting sweeping new rules for those seeking treatment. I will always fight to protect children because gender transition interventions are experimental. The emergency rule makes it impossible for transgender people of all ages to access gender-affirming care unless they have exhibited a medically documented, long-lasting, persistent, and intense pattern of gender dysphoria for three years. They also have to prove they've received a full psychological and psychiatric assessment and 15 hourly sessions of therapy at least 10 of which must be with the same therapist. <clears throat> this follows several anti-trans lobbies, lobbyists and lawmakers who have attempted to equate transness with severe mental illness. Now, here's what I want you to know about this rule. 
it does not apply to people who have already started to get this type of care. Well, I shouldn't say it doesn't apply. It does apply. It just makes exception for people who have already started to get this type of care that says, basically, you got to go back and do this stuff. You can still get your care, but you got to go back and do this stuff too. So they're overtly lying. And I'm going to prove that to you because, da-da-da, I read the rule and I completely broke it down. And I'm going to tell you exactly what's in this new emergency rule and we're going to talk about it. All right, guys. I'm sorry. I'm losing my voice. So I'm having to power through here. So I want to come down here. Okay, here is the Cliff's Note version of the rule. Number one, it applies to everyone of any age, adults included. Now, this is where I was like, eh, I don't know about that. But when I actually read the rest of the rule, I was more okay with it because there are exceptions to the rule. This is exactly right, Christopher. When I'm coming to, I, I talk with my hands all the time. You better get used to it, buddy. <laughs> the exceptions to the, there are exceptions in the rule to exclude people from it who have verifiable genetic and biochemical conditions or precocious puberty. There are also exceptions for people who are already receiving care as long as they begin the treatments and assessments called for in the rule. And this one is really important. That means that doctors who are saying that they can't continue to uh, provide trans medical care to their patients, they're lying. They're flat out lying. They are perfectly capable of continuing to provide this type of care as long as they also follow the guidance in the rule. Practitioners must annually assess patients for gender dysphoria, and there's a long list of disclosures they must make to patients, and every single one of these items, quite frankly, seems pretty reasonable to me. King Peter of the chat says, okay, anyone who has suffered depression and anxiety, if a doctor told you you could stop having those issues with a one-time surgery, would you? Yeah, I think most people would say yes to that, Peter. I agree. So here are the disclosures that doctors have to make to patients seeking trans medical care. They must tell patients that the treatment is considered experimental and not approved by the FDA. They must tell patients there is a lack of current evidence for the care of children and adolescents, particularly for puberty blockers, hormone therapy, and surgery. They must tell parents there is a study that found regardless of treatment, Trans people have twofold increase in mortality, and that does not decrease over time. I don't know about that emphasized, but okay, thank you for the money. They must tell parents that studies show the vast majority of children, 85%, grow out of it with time. They must tell patients that one study found that medicalization of children and adolescents presented an unacceptably high rate of doing harm. They must tell patients the Swedish National Board of Health and Welfare stated that for minors, the risks of suppressing puberty and hormonal treatment currently outweigh the benefits. 
They must tell patients that European researchers have found hormonal interventions can cause or worsen depression, at least in boys. They must tell people with trans friends that they are 70 times more likely to identify as trans. Check this out. This is actually amazing to me. People who, like, kids who have trans friends are 70 times more likely to identify as trans. I never heard that before. That's crazy. That, to me, seems something that, you know, might be relevant. I don't know. Planet uh, Planet Fatness says, I just found you and already in love. The YouTube algorithm suggested you keep up the good work. Well, I do appreciate that, Planet. Welcome. So glad you're here. Additionally, doctors who are doing trans medical care must tell patients that a follow-up study determined that young people with a history of mental health problems are more likely to socially or medically transition. They must tell patients that the FDA says that puberty blockers can lead to brain swelling or blindness. They must tell patients that interruption of puberty may be harmful to the brain. They must also tell patients that almost all children and young people who are put on puberty blockers are also put on sex hormone treatment. They must tell patients that studies are unable to draw conclusions regarding if hormone therapy reduces suicide. They must tell patients that there are no proven methods to preserve fertility for adolescents who are medicalized. That seems particularly relevant. Because a lot of doctors are not being honest and they're telling people that they can preserve fertility when now it kind of seems like that's not the truth. So why are we why are we telling them that? They must tell patients that allowing children to go through puberty may resolve gender dysphoria and that suppressing puberty could worsen gender dysphoria altogether. They must tell patients that puberty blockers can lead to stunted growth and failure to attain normal bone density. And they must tell patients that the medical community agrees that more research is needed to fully understand the long-term impacts of puberty suppression and hormone treatment. They must tell patients that a significant number of children and adolescents who transition eventually desist. They must tell patients that research has shown that if children aren't socially transitioned, they are are much more likely to identify with their sex at birth. I, I think this one is another really important one. And listen. All of these disclosures are important. The reason that the trans activists and the media are lying about what this Missouri rule is, is because they do not want these doctors making these disclosures. None of these disclosures is unreasonable. These disclosures are basically saying there are a lot of severe risks when it comes to medical transition that you probably should know about prior to medical transition. These are, this is not an insurmountable thing to overcome. This isn't like they're outlawing trans medical care. No, they're not. They're saying you need to be honest with your patients about what you're doing. So one of the things, and I think this is really important, they must tell patients that research has shown that if children do not socially transition, and remember, uh, there are at least 6,000 school districts around the country who are socially transitioning your kids without telling you 
as a matter of policy. They are saying that if children do not socially transition, they are much more likely to identify with their sex at birth, which makes sense. Exactly. This is what informed consent looks like. This right here. They must tell patients that the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, also known as WPATH, has stated that in most children, gender dysphoria will disappear before or early on in puberty. And finally, they must tell patients that many medical treatments are irreversible. There are a few other requirements they have to meet, none of which are insurmountable. They require patients to have three consecutive years of medically documented gender dysphoria prior to medicalizing. That doesn't seem unreasonable to me. It requires patients to have at least 15 sessions of psychological or psychiatric help, at least 10 of which must be with the same therapist, all within a course of 18 months. Again, that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. This is to assess what mental health problems patients may have. If in the course of those psychological or psychiatric treatments, they find out that the patients have existing mental health problems like anxiety, depression, etc., those mental health problems must be treated and resolved prior to gender transition medicalization. Again, that doesn't seem wrong to me. Emphasize says this is so doctors have legal remedy to lawsuits. I don't know that that's true. Emphasize, I think this is going to make it harder for doctors, not easier for doctors. And I really wish you would stop trolling in the super chats. I can display your super chat, but I'm I don't like the trolling. I really don't. Let's see. So they're requiring that mental health problems be treated prior to medicalization. I think that that makes sense. It requires patients to be screened for autism because they're starting to find that there is a direct link between autism and gender transition, which seems to be something worth exploring. If you have not seen the autistic sex ed expose that I did, if you're new to the channel, listen, if you are new to me and new to my channel, there is one thing that you need to watch before anything else. Autistic Sex Education. Go watch, and actually, let me find it real quick. Let me find it. Boop. I will show you exactly what you need to watch. Autistic. There it is. There we go. You need to look up this expose I did on autistic sex education. If you have a child with autism, you need to watch this. No screwing around. Go on the Substack. You can find it there. Just look up autistic sex education. It'll come right up. It is, this is next level. This is the most insane of the insane. But that's why I'm, I'm actually pretty okay with the idea of kids being screened for autism because they are actually targeting autistic children with this messaging in schools right now. Okay, 
The rule also requires that children and adolescents are screened for a social media addiction. I think that's personally perfectly reasonable. A lot of kids are getting sucked into this ideology via social media. It requires that a patient who is not experiencing a social contagion with respect to uh, their gender identity. It requires the doctor to have a procedure to track all adverse effects of gender transition for at least 15 years following transition. Again, one of the problems they're running into with a lot of the detransitioner stuff is that doctors are not tracking what happens to people after a certain amount of time. Because in the first couple of years after transition, people are generally happy. And so doctors are saying, everyone is happy. Yay. Well, that turns out not to be true because 5, 10, 15 years after transition, a lot of people are detransitioning. They're just not reporting it back to their doctor. So the doctors don't know. And so they're assuming everything is fine when it is, in fact, not fine. It requires the da that data about adverse effects be made available for study, which I think is pretty reasonable. And finally, it requires that written consent from the patient and their parents or guardians, if they're a minor, be obtained after the required disclosures above and then renewed at least quarterly for the first three years of intervention and uh, twice a year after, after that. So guys, anyone who's telling you, like vices, that Missouri has now made it impossible for people to medically transition, they are lying. And I just broke down why they're lying, because the rule clearly allows it allows for exceptions for people who are already in the process of medically transitioning. And it basically just requires a whole metric F-ton of disclosures. And it requires a little bit of additional screening for things that are perfectly reasonable. If your kid has autism and not gender dysphoria, don't you want to know that? If your kid has a social media addiction that's pushing the uh, the gender, the, the desire to gender transition, don't you want to know that? If your kid has other mental health problems, that are influencing this desire to transition. Don't you want to know that? I think this is all good things. I think this is common sense. I think this still allows um, real trans people to, to enter into a process of transitioning to live a life that's going to be better for them. I have no problem with that at all. But I also think it puts up reasonable safeguards to make sure that people are being prevented from transitioning who are not trans. If you, I would highly recommend, if you have never listened to detransitioner stories, it is some of the most horrifying material that you will find on the internet. I can't even listen to a lot of them. Because I, it's too dark for me. It is awful. It is, it is, I'm going to use the word again, it is demonic what has been done to these children. Because they were lied to by adults that they trusted. Their parents were lied to by their own doctors. It's really bad. <coughs> and so if states can put common sense measures in place to prevent detransitioners of the future, I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. 
let's find common sense ways to allow genuine trans people to live their best life in whatever way they want to, but protect people from having to go through the living hell of cutting off their own body parts, permanently uh, sterilizing themselves, and then coming out to regret it a few years later. (coughs) When it is absolutely irreversible. I think it's a good thing.